Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for the second season. And in terms of coffee, at least um, this podcast is being recorded. Please record it. Hi guys, it's Anna, and I really desperately need a cafecito. Hello, Cubo. Uh, my name is Raquel, and cafecito is the best meal of the day. Okay, so we are here together again this beautiful Friday. Um, to talk about coffee. So the name of the podcast is El Cafecito. The idea is that we should have coffee with us. I do have my mug of coffee right here. And um, and then the idea right now is to talk about our relationship to coffee, why we like coffee, if we do. Um, and my first question is, what, what, what's the first thing that you're reminded of when I say coffee, when we talk about coffee? For me, coffee represents family and it represents home. So I don't know about if you guys know, my family in Colombia, we grow coffee and that's our family's thing. So for me, I think of coffee, it just brings me back to my family in Colombia. Yeah, Yeah. well, same for me. And this connects to what I said about the cafecito is the best meal of the day is because coffee, I don't know, just a cafecito like brings you like an opportunity to Gather together in the middle of the afternoon. Talk about how your day, how your day is going. Um, eat some snacks. Drink some really good coffee. Talk to your family. Chat with friends, and then go back to work or any other thing that you have to do for for that day. Yeah. And do your coffee habits change when you go back home? Is it like because at least here I'll have those big like watered down American coffees instead of having the small coffee at the end of the at the end of a meal, does it change? I mean, for me, it absolutely does. I think here, coffee is very much like a a means of sustenance. Like it's become so part of people's daily routines where it's not a social event. It's just like another addition to your morning routine. You grab your coffee, you go to work. And I've definitely like adopted that. I mean, I grew up here. So for me here, coffee is just like something I have when I'm studying or before work or when I'm walking and I just want something warm. Whereas in Colombia, when I go home, coffee is it's a social event. So you go out for a cafecito with your friends, with your cousins, you catch up. It's um it's a gathering place rather than just something you drink. But, mm, but then isn't it something that we also kind of do here? Like let's grab a coffee and like you know what I mean? Mm, yes, but I think that we drink coffee like the times that we drink coffee here for just like oh I need some coffee because I'm going to pull an all-nighter or I need coffee because I didn't I don't know I didn't sleep well like whatever it is you just it's more like the idea of what we are drinking coffee here is more like as, as Anna said it's just a kind of like to help us get through the day rather than okay I'm going to have a cafecito with my friends it's going to be like a fun time with them yeah, yeah. I think it's like more like the idea of having coffee for like as a kind of like as a tool that will help you get through the day rather than a specific time of the day that you are going to uh, be with someone else, drinking coffee, chatting, relaxing, talking about something else that is not school related. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that does happen here. There's specialty coffee shops where a lot of people can meet up, but that's that's the keyword. It's a specialty coffee shop. Each coffee costs between I don't know five, six dollars. So it's not a not an. I mean, for some people, it's an everyday thing. I shouldn't speak, but <laughs> it's a. It could. It's not the same. It's not 
it's a it's more of like an event that you plan instead of spontaneous a scrap i mean wait some content I, I don't know anymore yeah <laughs> yeah no but i definitely think it's different the type of coffee you have is different and who you drink it with like here i wouldn't really like consider you know bringing all my cousins together to a coffee shop here but back home that's just the natural progression mm -hmm. i don't know it feels like um, here there's, uh, and after all we're talking about coffee now, um, it feels like there's a greater historical significance attached to coffee sometimes. Um, at least in urban Brazil, the context of where I come from, there, uh, despite Brazil being the largest, I think it's the largest coffee producer in the world, right? It, yeah. Something like a third <laughs> of all coffee produced comes from, from us, kind of this... The southern, the southwest region of Brazil, and and I mean, of course, in these areas you would have these these kinds of conversations. But it feels like in in the in the like the urban regions, we're so isolated and pushed away from the these matters of, of, of coffee, and and like while here you have this form of like this discussion on ethical consumerism and whether we should be drinking coffee from coming from Guatemala or coming from Mexico or coming from Indonesia. Um, and then people end up more engaged and trying to like see and there's like this idea of ethical consumerism which I which is highly debatable um, but it feels like in Brazil it's more of like the culture of like yeah it's, it's coffee and, and, and that, that it, it has a it, although it has so many shades and so many um, it, it's such a big historical context it feels like the part of ethical consumerism did, didn't reach like the masses I'd say you know? Would you say that's the case just for the urban centers in Brazil, or is that just? It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling I have. It's um, cause it's um. So for example, like it feels like um the the agro business in Brazil. Uh, there's a there's an amazing example. There's uh they have they've been um, putting these ads in the major like uh TV the public TV channels. Um, that says that agro is pop, agro is, agro is tech, agro oh. is everything. Oh, wow. um, and they'll talk about how the the agro industry has been investing billions in Brazil and how it's changing the lives of millions of, of workers and of consumers and how it's good and how it's how it's efficient and all that. And 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 that's that's the the, the spin that's been given in mainstream media so many times. Um, while while I don't think there's a solid debate on whether like. The, the coffee that is coming from our own regions is ethical or not. It's, um, it, and even, I would, I would consider that people would debate about whether the coffee that they're drinking in Brazil is ethical, considering that they come from somewhere else, than from like Brazil itself. It's like, oh, it's, uh, if it comes from Chiapas, then maybe it might be dangerous. It might, have, might be affecting workers. But if it comes from Brazil, it feels like it's, it's the, the imaginary is not polluted by all this kind of uh, all the all the negative images that ethical consumerism tries to portray of like coffee production. Yeah, I mean, in my region in Colombia, we are literally the coffee producing region. So I think the discourse is a lot different because it's the livelihood of so many people in so many different ways. There's like internal hierarchies to the coffee structure, like who owns the land, who's picking the coffee, who's selling it. It's not all the same person. Um, and there's definitely conversations about ethical consumerism, but no one is saying ethical consumerism. Like that's not the words they're saying. It's just kind of like, you know, fair prices for the workers. Um, and I do know, like speaking from experience, 
there are some some provisions put in place by the government to ensure that pickers have you know some social benefits and health care but they're ba being paid the bare minimum the absolute minimum that they can be paid and the prices that we pay like the reason why our coffee can be so cheap sometimes is at the cost of these workers um, so that's kind of the conversation that's being had right now in Colombia and also fair prices for the farmers and who they're selling to um, you know with the influx of massive corporations coming into the country buying off lots and selling their coffee and producing it prices of coffee are really being affected um, and they're really getting really lowered so that's mainly the, the conversation happening but it feels like it has more historical significance in Colombia maybe because the, the the land question was still still a major issue of course but at least it was a highly politicized issue to the point that it led to conflict right so then um, where we're like we're in Brazil in the 1960s and that's something we're gonna talk about um, <laughs> um, there's a uh, the land land question remains an issue. It's, it was never actually solved. So then I wonder if maybe the there's the a greater land partition and therefore there's like more community engagement. I would say, especially in that region, no. <laughs> it's still an issue of whose land it is. Okay. Um, and a lot of people who own the land, the farmers, well, aren't the people who are picking it. They're actually just exploiting the land and they have for a while. Um, lots of people bought their land in the 60s it's it's not sometimes it is generations and generations of families sometimes it's just people who saw an opportunity businessmen who saw an opportunity in growing coffee and bought the land um and that's still an ongoing issue and that is the source of a lot of political violence and tension in colombia so um all over not only it depends on the region in colombia and what we grow but my my region's coffee so yeah, yeah well in ecuador um i know that the production of coffee um, has been reduced like lately, and I think that one of the main aspects of why it's not like we, we're not producing as much coffee as before is because who who owns the land, as Osana said, um, and all the problems that that means. So, for example, if it's an international corporation that owns the land, or it's from like a local uh, I don't know family or like a local uh, entity, the, the the ones that own the land. So um, the questions about who owns the land are, are very important to answer because uh, by knowing who owns the land, we can um, know who are who's working in the land, um, who are the like people, the workers there, and the interest that national and international, I don't know, community companies have over over that land. Um, yeah, I have a question for you guys. So, um, from those of you who might not know, I am a barista and working in cafes and stuff, I've talked to a lot of coffee producers, roasters, and there's this growing trend of, you know, coffee roasters who have their companies here in Asia, Middle East, Europe, going to Latin America, buying off lots um, for their roasting company specifically. And something that, you know, kind of made me made me laugh a little bit. I wasn't sure how to react. Uh, I was talking to this coffee producer, well, roaster, and she said she owned a farm in Guatemala, but she had never been. So what are your thoughts on that? On people buying off these slots just for the roasting companies? And so then this means that they dominate the whole chain of production? Basically, so they're growing their own coffee. Yeah. 
they don't have to sell it to anyone, and then they just roast it themselves, and they'll sell it to a cafe or even have their own cafe. Okay, and then the roasting process is done here. Here, so they'll bring the green beans uh -huh. from their lots and roast them here. And then I wonder if it's even cheaper to do it up, like back in the country that was it was picked, right? Yeah. Is it, how well, does it work? I don't know if you how, know that. how it works. Because it's like because it seems more. Because in Brazil, this happens all the time. <laughs> like They'll pick the oranges in Brazil, they'll take it into the US, they'll make it into orange juice and then repackage it and take it back. But then I wonder if like, well, is the same thing with coffee? The thing about specialty coffee, and that's the people who are doing this, not um, just anyone. It's usually like boutique or just very like oh. fancy roasteries. Yeah. They are very specific on how they want to roast it. And a lot of times that's their like unique signature, the roasting process. Mm. Um, and for them, like, they pride themselves on having freshly roasted coffee, so they need it here, so they can distribute it within a couple days. Um, and I'm not sure if it, maybe it's cheaper that way, but it's definitely, I think, for quality assurance more than anything. So yeah. Because it's 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 a really complicated dynamic, right? Because it really is. you have a a bean that is can only be grown in certain areas of the world. And there's a dominant culture that has brought up the consumption of this bean. And now it has to be exported like worldwide. Right? Yeah. It's in what you're talking about, it's it wasn't this dominant thing and I feel like right now we have more demand than supply for the coffee and that's why so many people are being exploited. Um, something that I remember I don't know who told me, but I just found it shocking. Coffee's auctioned off, right? So you can auction your coffee internationally and online. Um, and there's this cafe in Dubai who, the coffee, it was a very special coffee. It's called a geisha coffee. It's a varietal that, you know, is sought for by like the most prestigious cafes. Um, and so there's this one specific bean that was up for auction. It wasn't that special. Let's say it was only worth $100 a pound. I don't really know the real numbers. Please don't quote me on this. Um, <laughs> But the cafe put up the bid so incredibly high so that they would be able to sell the world's most expensive cup of coffee. So the cup of coffee that they sell is a thousand dollars. But it's not actually worth that. And I'm not sure who's actually getting that money because it was on an online auction. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on with coffee right now. Well, it, it seems like a great investment nowadays, but I, I was reading this article and it says that well, coffee needs, uh, it's actually very sensitive to heat mm -hmm. and a lot of production even in Brazil is being switched now to like more um, resistant grains like soy, um, which, which means that given the, the climate crisis we could have some form of like shortage where I wonder like some form of like, like huge reduction in the coffee production. And honestly that's the movement that the agro-business seems to be making in Brazil. It's like, it's it's shifting, it shifts from one monoculture to the other. And, mm. and historically this has been like the movements since yeah. since colonial times. We had a sugar boom, then we had gold boom, then, then we had a coffee boom. In the early, the early 1920s we got to the point where the government was even like was buying coffee to protect the industry and even burning it instead of selling it abroad. So we had we we have this the literally this the seeds of colonialism and of our history are like planted with coffee, and yet I I lament as I said like the 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 lack of discussions it seem around uh, around these land questions too because I was talking about ethical consumerism but really the the actual 
the actual question is whether the workers are treating correct, being treated correctly and whether the environment is being treated correctly in the production of the coffee that we drink. And if it's, if it's something that we drink every day, then this means that maybe it should be something that is integrated into like the, the bigger environment and then the, the bigger question of whether it's sustainable or not. I think then we can go back to your question about when, when we go to a coffee shop here and then we see that they're selling coffee from Guatemala or Honduras or I don't know, even Colombia or Ecuador. And then we're like, yeah, well, like we, we can support like the uh, workers. Have you noticed that they never say it's from Brazil? I'm sorry, but like... They yes, they do. It's from Brazil. No, they do. I've seen it a couple of times, but no, like. I, I mean, every... okay. <laughs> it's Starbucks. Starbucks doesn't say it's from Brazil. Starbucks has it from Indonesia. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, Major ad. So, <laughs> Indonesia, like Mexico. And I remember they have like the little map, but it's never Brazil. Can I break your heart? Please break my heart. In the coffee world, just because I've worked as a barista, Brazil is kind of known as the boring, safe coffee. Boring, safe coffee? I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's eh, everyone sees, like, when I talk to, oh, this always gets on my, my nerves. When I talk to, like, these very ex expertised, you know, seasoned baristas who work in the industry for years, they, it's so fine to hear them talk about coffee. They're like, oh, Brazil, it's so boring. I don't want to Brazil. Or like, oh, classic Colombian. And for me, I'm like, Oh my, they like, they generalize countries based off flavor profiles, which is very true. Um, and there's always a flavor profile that's trendy. And, but it's always like funny for me. I'm like, this is literally a whole nation's coffee. There's so much variety within the nation. How can you yeah. just like, be like, ugh, I'm bored of this coffee. Like it's just- That's what people do with it's so, too, right? I guess so. But yeah, Brazil is not, it's just kind of like the, the regular degular coffee at this point. Um, if you wanna like right now in the coffee world, like everyone loves, Ethiopian coffees, they love the fruity coffees, um, but that's the trend right now. It always changes. <laughs> I'm wondering how like these new interests, or, like these like flavoring coffees or like coffees with eggs, I don't know, mm -hmm. characteristic or smell, uh, how that shapes the in, like the coffee industry in the other parts of the world. Like mm. for example, if people like coffee from Ethiopia because of X reason are like companies in South America going to try to produce the same kind of coffee um, to be part of like the, the world market or like how how you know how that works I I do know that so as I mentioned a little bit earlier like one of the most coffee has different varietals like different types um, and one of the most like prized varietals called the geisha um, and it's a hybrid of different, I don't know, plants. I'm not a botanist, but I know Colombia right now in regions, as you were saying, like things are changing. The coffee producing region is no longer the strongest coffee producing region in Colombia, even though historically it has been. Um, regions that historically produced rice and soya are now producing coffee. And I'm, I wonder if that's due to climate change. Um, and now they are like famous. That region is called um, in Huila is famous worldwide for its variety of coffee because it's similar to the Ethiopian one. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> these, these small ethical chains never change really anything, and particularly the coffee discussion. It's not yeah. like it's going to change anything, I feel. But it's, and, and yet, there's there's so so much discussion around specifically coffee, right? I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's such a routine thing and then people get it as an example. It's always like the first example. It's like, imagine the, the, this la this this money you could donate is like worth one cup, cup of coffee a day or whatever. Yeah. It's like a unit of measure in a way sometimes. 
I wonder, because I know there's ethical consumption conversations about like the coffee cups and the coffee straws, but I don't know. I don't know how we can change coffee consumption behaviors to make it more ethical. I don't know in what direction that could go in. What do you guys think? See, because that's the whole the whole condition that I was talking about, right? It's like with with there's is there a way out? Because it's gonna be. I mean, it's in a way it's gonna be. You're. I mean, we're not gonna be able, at least as students, <laughs> to pay for a, a really expensive coffee. And in the same double movement, it's like. Yeah, we can try to find some some form of, of, of like ethical coffee uh, consumption, but then is it gonna is it gonna really change any form of, 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 of legislation there? Is it gonna it's gonna make real impact? I I, I highly doubt so. Yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be really hard, but at the same time, even though it's going to be hard, it's going to take a long time. Just by, I think, acknowledging the problem and trying to raise awareness, we can do our part. Um, although it's not going to make like any significant change, I think so. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's like, oh, there's this thing that we can do, and this thing is going to like solve the whole problem because that's not going to happen. Because if we like, we don't have a solution for that. And I don't think it's just about people, uh, like I don't know, like policy makers that are going to change the situation, or uh, the landowners, or the their role of the multinationals in other countries. I don't know. It's, I don't think it's just like a one um, like person. Like it's not just about like one person that could solve the problem, but like how we all, everyone that is related to the coffee industry be it as a consumers, producers, people that, uh, I don't know, invest, invest some money in that. I don't know, how we can all change and do our part to raise more awareness or help the workers and make sure that the land is being protected and the production of coffee is ethical. Agro steak, agro spot, agro is everything. <laughs> We need those. We need those commercials on every public television channel in the world. <laughs> That's how we'll change. We'll change the world and one commercial at a time. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's absurd how it really changes. The I didn't see real impact, and like there was a little bit of social media awareness around like mm -hmm. the whole discussion about the, the the commercials, but they keep on going, and they've been they've been there for like four, seven, five, seven years oh, wow. now, and I think, and it's. And I mean, and, and that's what and that's what I'm trying to talk about because it's like the grand mass of consumers in Brazil, those that are like culturally attached and 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 socially needed of coffee. Like the last thing that they're gonna think about is this. And honestly, and then the and then the first thing that they receive in in like major t television is actually saying that it's like it's that it's good for the country, that it, it, it improves investment. Yeah, I. <laughs> Well, I guess, I mean, we can't just say, let's cut consumption of coffee, because that's going to hurt almost everyone in the end. But how do you make consumption better? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that is that is my life's, like, tension, because it's, this applies to everything. How do we change mass consumer habits, I, especially in the North? Because it feels like with, with coffee, it has more of a history of... of 
of, of the of, of a, it has a I mean as everything it's socially created but it's it's it was it was socially constructed so that it's it became became a habit that it yeah. became a need and that if it was socially constructed to do so then we can maybe revert it and we can revert it by thinking about the actual the maybe the the well the cultural ways the, the the different ways that we we consume coffee in our own regions and that's why i asked the, the first question like what really comes to mind when you when you girls are like thinking about coffee is that i think that maybe the way out is actually going back and talking about the the actual cultural roots of our coffee consumption and whether in these moments we can influence some form of debate or we can also um, um, discuss about it right and raise awareness yeah i guess that's true even if we look at the structure of how you can buy coffee back home where do you go you go to like cafe but the cafes aren't like here you have to the trend right now in colombia which i absolutely adore and love is you can get pour overs and chemix and preparations at your table that are they prepare the coffee at your table to share so they make four cups for your four friends or how many of your friends are there and you drink it there and you don't get a coffee to go that's not the thing you don't like i can't think of one single place where you can get a coffee to go <laughs> maybe like a starbucks there's one starbucks in colombia um one, one. Oh, we, just one. we do not appreciate starbucks yes. um it's in bogota and it's in the tourist area we have our own coffee chain called Juan Valdez. Yeah, we also have one Juan Valdez in um, Also not very appreciated in Colombia. Really? No, because we have so much coffee. It's so oh, okay. so for people, it's like, why should I go to this chain when I can go down to the corner yeah. to Don whoever's place? Because wow. I know them. Um, and is it any good, like the coffee from the chain? I honestly have never gone. Because oh. I, 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 I see no point in wow. going. I see zero point. I'm like, it's going to be another Frappuccino, whatever, <laughs> that mm -hmm. I don't want. So I think maybe just changing the culture around coffee and instead of maybe drinking that what like four coffees a day that you get to go, if you make it into a meaningful social gathering, like doesn't mean you have to stop drinking coffee, it's just maybe changing the way you think about it. Yeah, but now I'm thinking about, for example, nowadays we live in a world where you always have to like be doing something else. So mm. I don't know, like even I think for now it's hard for families here or like I think everywhere in the world to find time to spend even like dinner together and like or even breakfast like everyone has like different schedule or different activities that they, that they need to or like different events they need to go and it's very hard for families to have a like time where they can all spend together during the weekdays I don't know about the weekends uh, but especially I think during the weekdays it's, I, I think it's, it'll be hard for them to find a time where like okay let's we're going to have a cafecito time I think that's hard and then I think it's going to be harder in the future to find time for like family yeah so I don't know no, um, and honestly that, that was my idea with also um, bringing you guys together and then having El Cafecito was exactly that like the original idea was to, to be a, a round of conversation with people um, while having coffee it's like the coffee is maybe the excuse to like get together exactly. and, and, and express yourself and talk about different things have you I don't know about you guys but I was raised very Catholic and for me that's another thing I always think about coffee after church it was an excuse for everyone who went to church to have like a little social gathering so you would meet each other at a Tim's or in Colombia like you know get a cafecito at the church afterwards and this even happened here because I went to a Latin American Catholic church even in Canada and that was always the thing like after church there was always coffee no matter what and I was like, that's why I've always associated like coffee, family, Latin America. I don't know. Did you guys 
I don't know if you guys were raised Catholic or went to church or anything. Um, I'm Catholic, but at least well for for my family, in, in my case, we usually went for, to church for like around noon. Mm. So it was more like after tea, like uh, like we met or like we did something after church and then we had lunch together and then we had like a, like coffee after lunch. Yeah. But it was not like oh church and coffee, coffee. like right after. Um, yeah, but wake up after mass. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that um, I think that coffee, at least in my family, coffee time is is important. And although we cannot have like a coffee time every single day, nice to have it and to invite people over and just have a nice chat, uh, catch up with your uh family and friends and i don't know and it's and it's honestly it was my what my mom taught me my mom taught me to always offer coffee when someone was over yeah like always and then it was always usually like my grandparents or uncles or like oh always offer coffee but i never liked it i i never i i I I have to take some time and like a lot of energy to like coffee did you guys also like just develop the taste for coffee I wasn't born loving coffee, you know, but no one is born no, loving coffee because no. if objectively it has a, you know, I think it's one of those acquired tastes. But for me, how it started, I was really young. I think I was like ten or eleven, um, and it would just be like cafecito con leche. So it'd yeah. be like a tiny bit of coffee, then milk, and lots of sugar. And yeah. then as you grow up, the ratios change and change yeah. and change until you're. Like me, and you're only drinking black coffee now. So. <laughs> With no sugar. Yeah, no sugar, no, no milk. milk. Just give me the coffee. But th- yeah, I think for me, like I don't think I liked it when I was younger, but it was given to me in a very sugary, milky form. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that um, when I was growing up, my my parents didn't allow me to drink coffee, and I was like, why? But yeah, I started as, as um, just like drinking some milk with coffee and with bread. So it was yeah. like pan con leche. Which is like... And then you dip it in? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like that. But then, as I was growing up, my well, my parents drink a lot of coffee a day. So it was just like very easy to ask them, hey, can you make some coffee for me? And it was just like... And I remember, especially like my, during my senior year of high school, um, after lunch, I would be like, hey, do you want to drink some coffee? I was asking this to my, to my dad. And it was just really nice to, after lunch, to have like a little chat with him and be like, I don't know, what's up? <laughs> Let's talk about like anything. But it was just like, I feel that coffee offered, like coffee time offered that opportunity to us to just like have a break, even like 10 minute break. And then we both had work to do, so that was good. Remember the whole pavé idea? Remember the pavé? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. So then there's this uh, very famous Brazilian podcaster that has this alternative pavé idea, um, which I'll des- describe, but then I added coffee to it. I would add coffee. So it's coffee, powdered chocolate, and then you get those biscuits, and okay. then you crumble them inside mm. the, the mug <gasps> up to the point where it's like mushy you know it's like you add like three or four biscuits and then it gets mushy and then you use a spoon okay spoon spoon and then you get uh, other cookies and then you put it on top and then it adds this crunch layer <laughs> and then you get it with a spoon and then you eat it with a spoon. have you tried this oh, a million times that's what i used to have basically every day oh my <laughs> i don't know why it's like because it's so cheap it's coffee milk uh chocolate powder and uh 
and the biscuits. I know yeah. this is a very like. Oof. That's something you it's definitely like eat in high carbs. school. That's, yeah. That sounds to me like an after-school snack. That one. So yeah, there's like with these like with your example, Leo. There's another difference with like cafecito time in like I don't know Latin America with like the cafecito time that we have here. It's because our cafecito it's usually with like any kind of snacks like yeah. this one that you just mentioned or just like bread or cookies. Yeah, um, no, this is not a snack. This is an invention. Oh, okay. sorry, a, a sorry. Creation. Sorry. It's an innovative meal. Creation. When I opened the the fridge and there's nothing. There's like probably like fruits, of course. And I was like, nah, I don't want fruits. So I want just have biscuits on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> amazing creation. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think that. Yeah, no, I agree because it's it's always like la merienda has yeah. coffee and something else, and that's yeah, always yeah, it's that's just true. like yeah. the rule. Yeah, and I, I feel. I, I don't know, at least uh, when we had like family, like when we had people over for lunch, I remember that my dad used to say something like, um, kind of like an espresso. So mm -hmm. it's just like, because I don't know, there's like this thing or like this belief that coffee helps you um, like digest the food that you, you just ate. Mm -hmm. So it's like... I thought it was to wake up. Like, you know, like right after you eat, you after, kind of feel yeah. drowsy. And Maybe then... it's both. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, yeah like you have like these really strong coffee. And I, and I also really like that. Yeah. Because it's like coffee, at least like in my family, coffee was for like, not, not only like for like wake you up, but also like some, to have something sweet or to help yeah. you um, digest your food. I don't know. Para pasar la comida. Yeah, para pasar la Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a thing. It's like... <laughs> Everyone, you you finish eating and everyone's like, oh, who's gonna make the coffee? We need the coffee para pasar la comida. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I love coffee. I'm usually yeah. the one who makes the coffee. Do you make the like, coffee? Yeah, because it's. I mean, you're just using the like the. <laughs> okay. It's not like I'm like oh, being the barista. I have another topic that we can discuss. How do you prepare your coffee? Mmm. Okay. Oh, she. You're probably full of like. <laughs> well, things. I have. The way so. I make my coffee at home right now because I'm a poor student. I have a little plastic like V6 dripper and then I just grind my coffee beans in this cheap grinder that I bought. Grind them, measure it out, put a filter in my, my V60 filter, pour some hot water in, a little method I have, and then I drip my own mug. But in an ideal world, I would have a beautiful setup to make my coffee, but not now. And is the filter important? It is. So the filter, I use the cheapest filter because again, I'm a poor student, because um, <laughs> they can be very expensive. I just, you need to, if you're using a, a cheap filter, you just need to rinse it to get the papery taste out, but the paper will definitely affect the taste of your coffee. So something I do, which <laughs> like, is definitely wrong. So it's like the, the classic coffee maker oh, that yeah. you open, right? Maker, With yes. the lid. And then there is, uh, I, I usually, there's like the, the paper, the paper filter, and then you put the coffee there. Yeah. And then like, so then there's the rest of coffee there. And I'm like, I'm not gonna throw this away. So I, I don't know, in my head, it's like, oh, added layers of, of flavor. So I just added a little bit extra. Like, I don't add a lot more coffee. I just <laughs> add like maybe 15% more coffee on wow. top of it. And then I go in again. Guys, no, that's just, that's just it's ethical just consumption. It's, it's eth ethical <laughs> consumption, guys. Honestly, it's a source of infinite coffee. Um, I mean, it's not wrong. You can do that. But will it be the tastiest coffee in the world? Probably not. It's not bad. It's, um, I mean, what? Oh, oof. How about you, Lekin? How do you make your coffee? Um, here I have a like a filter. It's made out of cloth. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I boil some water, 
I have a coffee mug, I have this filter with some like coffee there and then I just pour the boiling water there that's and the just very like, traditional way that's, that's very traditional yeah. yeah. that's if, it's a, if it's a cloth filter you can leave coffee isn't it? isn't that the, the idea? it's like that's what I heard it's like <laughs> no if it's like a it's like a if it's a, pl uh, if it's a paper one then yeah you have to you can't keep the coffee yeah. like I do but it's like if it's a one of like the, the permanent ones it has to kind of like have the coffee there because it keeps the taste i don't know that's um, what I'm i i didn't do that but for sure <laughs> you, i think you can try that not, maybe yeah. i don't know that's what I'm i just doing. know that i mean for mm, this is gonna be so nerdy for good coffee it's like the extraction and the temperature it all matters a lot if you care about that stuff but at the end of the day of the day if you just want like a regular coffee and you don't really care about getting the perfect extraction it, it doesn't matter um i just like like i'd like to buy my coffee with all these different like from a different region every month so i do try to follow what the extraction that they tell me to but it doesn't really matter yeah i don't know what coffee that's another question what coffee do you guys drink here i have a so I usually drink coffee at my tiny hall, mm -hmm. uh, but I have a bag of uh, Colombian coffee, right? Uh, is it Colombian? I'm pretty sure it's Colombian. Yeah, and that's that's the one that I, I use like the uh, this filter, and I do it by myself. Um, no, I'm not the kind of particular person that will like look for coffee or buy mm -hmm. coffee. I'll usually have tea instead. If Guy was here, he would definitely talk about his Shimahong habits, habits that he loves. <laughs> and then he has his like particular Shimahong leaves where he buys from like this specific place and whatever. Uh, but no, for me it's just uh, just coffee. It's just coffee. really not that big of a deal. Really not. Yeah. How Brazilian of you. <laughs> How Brazilian of you. How Brazilian of you. I have another, I don't know, comment for our the people that listen to us. Um, so, Anna, have you heard about the Ruta del Café or something like that? No, 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 tell me about it. I think it's just like this plan for tourists where like they can uh, travel around. I think it's like Colombia and Ecuador or like different places where they have um, plantations of coffee beans. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can go to, they can have like these experiences with like going to the plantations and seeing how they harvest, how they um, roast the coffee, how they prepare the coffee, how they sell it. So I think it's a great opportunity if like any anyone that is listening to us, that if they wanna, if they are traveling to Colombia or to Ecuador, make sure that you, I don't know, check these experiences. I think it's a really great opportunity to learn more about like the production of coffee itself, but also how how, how coffee is being produced in, in Latin America. Yeah, but yeah, that's something that we really definitely have to like look out for. Um, that's something that I've had some experience with these like coffee plantations from going to like the south of the Minas Gerais state in Brazil. Um, that's where mostly they produce like they'd say good coffee. But yeah, that's definitely an experience that should everyone. I mean, someone coming from Latin America or people interested should definitely have because. It gives you a different perspective on things. Um, of course, the ones that I was that I that I went to and that I visited were really small, and they're usually like, as you're saying, like the selected types of coffee and, and people that are actually taking care of the plantation so that it's like has the right pH or whatever. It's like, yeah. It's like this whole thing, and maybe maybe I don't wonder if this experience also like shows the other side of the story, right? So it's it's not only the from the producer side and the people that are owning the business, but the people that are working. 
So it's important to have this like regional perspective of things and and, and, and learning the local, learning the local. And that's in a way why I was making joke about the whole agro business. Sometimes in, 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 in Brazil, we can, in Latin America in general, we can't forget it's the most urbanized region in the world. And sometimes we get we can kind of uh, move away and step aside from these rural issues. Um, Brazil, as, as a, that's a major issue in Brazil. So the, the, the land divide is still a question up to nowadays. So, so maybe coffee could be one of these, these, like, these topics that can bring um, to light these kinds of discussions in Latin America. Yeah. Yeah. And with this beautiful ending, wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll finish the podcast for today. I'd like to thank both of you for coming. Gilly wasn't here. He's mm-hmm. already traveling um, oh. back home. Um, and I'll remind everyone that El Cafecito is available on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. I always forget this. It's on. It's it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and I. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever else you can get your podcasts. Amazing! Thank you very much, and I'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.